Good afternoon, good morning, good evening, Screen Rats. I'm holding one of those uh, mics you might see in a comedy club. I haven't got my studio set up yet here in the new house. Uh, we've recently moved, so there might be slightly different audio quality to this mic. Um, so, to catch you up, I'm now in what is basically a big empty room, which my wife and myself will be sharing. Uh, she's going to have a sort of art space on one side of the room while I set up the studio on the other. Uh, I've emptied the entire house so far, but this room remains very much in boxes, so we are not quite there yet. Uh, she recently got this drafting table off of like Facebook Marketplace for 50 quid. And I'm now using that and this weird chair that also doubles up as a ladder, which looks kind of Victorian, looks like a haunted chair basically, um, to sit on. So this is a very much uh, ad hoc thrown together preamble before the Crimbo episode. Uh, so to catch you up on all of that, uh, I had to take two weeks off of the podcast because I just couldn't edit while moving house. Uh, I saved quite a lot of money on removals by removing us ourselves. You using a sort of garden cart going up and down, uh, I think it's half a mile between our old flat and this house. Beep, beep. Oh, I had to do an edit there just because uh, I realised this one has to be clean just in case the kiddies listen because this is a sort of, not panto episode, but it's a Christmas special. Uh, but our two guests are essentially panto dames. Uh, Eric Potts, who's coming on first, he is not uh, performing as a panto dame this year. He's writing a bunch of pantomimes all around the country, which he is in charge of, working at Imagine. And Brad Fitt, who uh, is the panto dame at Shrewsbury, um, almost every year, I think. Uh, but we'll be talking to both of those later on. Uh, so I thought that would keep it quite Christmassy. The two top panto dames in the country on the podcast. I think that's pretty Christmassy, don't you think? And we'll end with a song that I wrote with my friend Ethan Nally, a Canadian singer, about Christmas, which we did about 10 years ago. So, yeah, that's all coming up. But, yes, back to the move. I was moving us in a garden cart, uh, going up and down the streets, like a maniac, in the snow, in the freezing cold. And it was it was very, very, very difficult. And, um, you know, I struggled, but we got it done. And we saved enough money doing that on removals to buy my boys a lovely big bunk bed, which my wife put together yesterday in a few hours, which was amazing because it really was massive. It takes up half the room. The bed is like the size of an ibis. <laughs> the hotel chain, not the strange Australian bird. You know, um... Anyway, so it's been it's been really good, really busy. We're sort of getting used to having more room. Now, very first world problems, but like there is only a toilet upstairs. So if you're in the kitchen, you need a wee. It's quite the trek. I'm not used to it because I'm used to being in a small flat and having everything to hand. And now, like, I really do feel like the guy that puts the stuff on the stairs that needs to go upstairs. Uh, I'm going to become that guy. There's always so much to do and a lot of juggling, as you can sort of imagine, having three children living in a house, not a flat. It's, it's quite the difference. And I can already see a time when the kids are all grown up and we just go back to a flat because uh, houses are like hard, right? There's a lot of hoovering. I'm not moaning about having a lot of space and we haven't paid a lot more for this. So we got really, really lucky. We've got the only house that is de facto four bed, even though it's advertised a three bed. And it has a studio space and, you know, has a back room, which doubles up as a dining room. And my wife has a garage, which is very hard to find around here in the area that we live in. So we're very, very lucky and we know we're lucky and I'm very, very happy where we live. It's just a lot to get used to because we're, you know, we're used to having a lot less room to move about. And, you know, I'm just... Uh, 
a little concerned about the cost of heat in this place. Uh, but there we are. I certainly would never go bigger than this. And this is not some mansion. This is just a normal townhouse that normal people live in. You all probably live in houses like this. I just never have. I've always been in flats or rooms in flats. So it's a lot. So anyway, let's not mind about that. Uh, it's just uh, become Christmassy in our house. We put the decorations up last night. Uh, before that, we uh, celebrated Hanukkah because my wife is Jewish. She's not religious, uh, but she is Jewish, and we did want to put the menorah up. I did something that I was not proud of. I'm a bit embarrassed about, really, uh, because of the conflict that we shall not talk about on here because that would be absolutely mad. Uh, I said, you know, we're not going to put that in the window, are we? Now... That is not okay. That is not cool. Um, I was obviously worried because of everything that's going on, that, you know, we get brick through the window because, you know, anti-Semitism is on the rise and all that kind of stuff. Uh, so, you know, I said that and I, I, I immediately backtracked and thought that was a really, really stupid thing to have said. Um, because, you know, you, you can celebrate this stuff and not... It's so difficult right now, isn't it? It's so, so difficult. Um, but, you know, I was adamant that we didn't put Christmas decorations up until Hanukkah had ended because if we're going to give the kids both, I don't want it to be a confused uh, situation. So I thought it was quite nice. We celebrated Hanukkah. Uh, not big time, not every day. She didn't like candles, didn't say any prayers, just like little presents here and there, little mentions of it. It was nice and they got the big gift. We extended it to the weekend and then we put the Christmas tree up yesterday, put the lights on that and now and it's okay to put the lights on the Christmas tree in the window though obviously you know I don't know what I'm thinking um so anyway we're, you know we're bringing them up with both cultures and you know it's it's pretty lightweight all of it really there's nothing from me I've got nothing to give so at least I get some of the nice culture from uh, my wife's side uh anyway so it's become a bit Christmassy in the house uh, all that came up yesterday uh while she made the bunk beds very very busy very busy in this house don't move before Christmas, or maybe do move before Christmas, because it's better to go before New Year, right? Uh, I don't know. I don't know what the answer is. It's just good to be in here, have it all done before uh, the kids are off school. Because if the kids are off school and I was doing this, oh my goodness, I do not know. I'd be pulling my hair out. Uh, as you can tell, I'm trying to uh, keep my language to a minimum here and keep this a nice, clean episode uh, because of the lovely people we have coming up on the pod. Now, First guest is Eric Potts. Eric Potts is a writer, a performer. He's been in so many pantos uh, as the dame. I did two pantos with him, and he's just a master, an absolute master of the craft. Brilliant to watch, always in something good. This year he's taking a break. He's uh, just doing the writing. I say just doing the writing. He's writing loads of pantos. Uh, too numerous to mention on here. But this was a really good, concise, uh, great, perfect little half hour that I chatted with him. So we'll get straight into it. This is the wonderful... Eric Potts. Eric, 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 Eric Potts. Roll up, roll up. Welcome to Television Times, a new podcast with your host, me, Steve Otis Gunn. We'll be discussing television in all its glorious forms. From my childhood, your childhood, the last 10 years, even what's on right now. So join me as I talk to people you do know and people you don't about what scared them, what inspired them, and what made them laugh and cry here television times <laughs> are you actually performing in one this year no you know i stopped a couple of years ago just because i i couldn't um focus on one when really i needed to be f focused on the whole season gotcha having built up to it throughout the year so yeah I'll, I'll co-directing the pavilion in glasgow right and then dashing around all the others do you miss uh, performing on stage in pantos uh so far no um it's it's been all right actually but no I, I wondered if i would the first year but um it 
yeah, it, I was too busy to miss it, I think, really. Mm. Do you think you'll go back to it at some point or...? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I'm always on standby. I've yeah. always got a couple of dresses in the back of the, yeah, yeah, <laughs> the yeah. car in case I need to uh, jump on. So that's okay. Yeah. I'll do. That's cool. I always thought my kids would see me like mixing a panel, you know, and I'd have access to the, the backstage and, you know, they don't get that anymore because I don't do it anymore. Yeah. So um, <laughs> we have to pay like normal people. No more perks. <laughs> yeah, you see, this is it. there were very few perks, but that was one of them anyway. Yeah, yeah. Hi guys, uh, I just want to let you know, this is the Elf on the Shelf here, and uh, we're all listening to your podcast here in the North Pole while we get all the presents into Santa's sleigh, and if you could hurry up uh, and get on with the questions, that, that would be very most helpful. Uh, thank you, and Santa says thank you too. Bye. In my mind, you know, we used to get that massive bumper radio times yeah. by Christmas, and it would have all the stuff in it. I try and tell my kids this, they don't understand what I'm talking about, but <laughs> and you'd like go through it and then ring all the TV shows you wanted to watch and when they were on, you know, probably something, hopefully if it works out, that would have been in that guide. Um, sure. If you mention a film, I'll do this. It's fine if you oh. watch it on telly, though. Um, it does. Okay. Come it's a tricky. It's a tricky thing that I've found. <laughs> Very good. So, do you mind if I just jump in? Go for it, mate. Yeah. yeah. Cool. Okay, Eric. What's the funniest thing you ever saw on TV at Christmas? Uh, it's got to be, and it's probably quite a cliched answer, but it's got to be the more common wise. Christmas special. It was something that we really looked for, mm. uh, looked forward to, and you, you'd sat down, you made sure you were in your chair at the right time. And I was thinking uh, over the years, there were so many, but you think back to the Glenda Jackson uh, sketches, the old Roman sketch, and mm. they did the big one of those great sequences on the stairs yeah, yeah, where they yeah, did yeah. the kick land. Huge sets. Exactly. The, the investment in those shows uh, was colossal, as indeed something you don't see anymore really on Christmas Day were the viewing figures. Millions and millions of yeah. people Half made the country, sure. I believe, at some point. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Sat down for the Morecambe and Wise Christmas special. Mm. And I can remember, even as a, you know, a young teenager, probably a bit younger, crying with laughter at some of the the um the big sketches really? with the stars the desert connor moments like that. Connor, yeah. Why was a christmas <laughs> yeah. running gag exactly and then one year he appeared yeah yeah, on yeah. The, you know after they bought the uh, was it eric bought earlier desert connor record LP. Yes. there's yeah, yeah. something from the history books as well and desert connor appeared behind them and um yeah just cleverly written eddie braben the writer was phenomenal mm. just caught the, the 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 pair of them at their best and wrote accordingly yeah yeah they were the funniest moments it was really good wasn't it and i I'm, i don't know if i'm misremembering or correctly but i remember for me i've said this before but i'll try and work out the timings of it maybe i could just get a radio times of 96 77 or something <laughs> but in my mind it was there was more common wise and i do remember sitting down and watching it when I was about eight, which is quite young, really, to watch something yeah. like that. And, but for me, there was also, there was the Mike Yarwood show, which was Impressions, yeah. right, essentially. That must have been on at Christmas as well. And the Stanley Baxter show? Oh, yeah. Would that have been on around the same time? Did they do Christmas it would have been, Yeah, it would have been Christmas, New Year. So yeah. it would certainly have been in that edition mm. of the, the Radio TV Times. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, those those spectacular huge Stanley Baxter shows and he's still alive I know he's, he's still alive I, 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 I found that I out that and I was like <laughs> really are you sure he's 94 95 or something like bless him but those shows I, I remember reading an article a few years ago had to stop simply because they were so expensive oh really you know so 40 dancing girls and fountains and all the rest of it as well yeah, as the sketches yeah. and everything but yeah you're right Stanley Baxter Mike Yard I was a huge, huge Mike Yard fan yeah, yeah he was and he only passed away just a few weeks ago know, but they weren't um, old then because to me these people were all old when i was a kid when you were a kid they were old and they're, they're still 
just knocking about. Stanley Baxter, seriously. Exactly. Uh, it's wild. bizarre. It is really weird. <laughs> but you look back on all those things and find out. But yeah, Mikey Arwood was probably, I guess that's the time when, well, I don't know, it went into the 80s, didn't it? Uh, impressions, yeah. impression comedy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I right think in. so. And then, then the the, the um, this alternative comedy kicked in mm. mid eighties, and those sort of, if you like, end of the pier comics and impressionists and ventriloquists certainly took a lesser yeah. uh, position in the, in the comedy status. I have to say though, when I'm listening to a podcast or anything comedic nowadays, and somebody bursts into an impression, I love it. Yeah. I love it when they do, <laughs> when they do it when they're listen, done well. Yeah, when they're done really well, like Matt Ford oh, or someone, like just yeah. like absolutely nailing it. It's, it's, it's something. It's a thing of beauty. I sort of miss it. Exactly. It's not really on telly. Well, it's it's interesting because we we in in you know the shows that we produce, mm. we use a couple of ventriloquists, mm. not ventriloquists, impressionists. I beg your pardon. Same thing. Paul Burling. <laughs> um, yeah, no. <laughs> so, Channeling so, special. Special act. Yeah. Um, and you're right, when they go into the voices, there's a real murmur of appreciation across the audience. And it's the same from watching, you know, Mike Yarwood on, on the telly. Um, it's that sort of recognition and mm. the just that broadening of the character that they're portraying, taking it one step further uh, for comedic purposes. It's great. Yeah, I think it's something that was on telly in the UK. I don't know, I don't know maybe it didn't affect America as much because they, they had Saturday Night Live and they kept that going for, well, 50 years. Um, yeah, they've always done impressions. I mean, it's been, always been on telly every week, whereas here not yeah. so much. And ours were all, you know, let's face it, some of them were racist. Um, Eugene yes. Davidson's, and yeah, I think that put a nail in that coffin. Quite exactly, certainly didn't help yeah. help the cause, shall yeah. we say? Exactly. Uh, yeah. Oh well, talking of impressions, oh, what a great little link that I didn't even know we had. I didn't know that you were in <laughs> Citizen Khan. I was. Yeah. yeah, the Christmas special. The Christmas special. Yeah. There you go. That's a great show. That's what a great segue. <laughs> Exactly. I think uh, it was all sort of cleverly structured so that every part of the traditional Christmas tale was featured in this episode. And I was a, was I a builder? Or something called Mr. Shepherd? Mm -hmm. And the shepherds turned up uh, to sort sort the plumbing on, on Christmas Day or something but it was a great it was a great show to be part of yeah uh, recorded in Manchester at the Media City at Salford rather I should say yeah um and yeah it was it was good fun to be part of recorded in you know mid-August or something as all yeah, Christmas I, specials I, are I really enjoyed Mr Khan I don't know is it, is it aged well I don't know but I mean Adol Ray is pretty popular still and I mean me and my yeah. wife would watch that and I mean it is a throwback to the 70s like Mrs Brown's Boys or something like that but I I really loved it I thought it was really well, I think it was that thing of, it was, how would I say it? I think I felt slightly proud watching a Christmas special at Christmas about a Muslim family, and it was funny, yeah. and it was on British TV, and I thought, where else, you know, yeah. 10 years ago? That's, you know. It's true, progress. Yeah, yeah. I, I think you're right. Yeah. And I think it uh, it set itself up in such a way, and I think it was very cleverly written that it it was very self-deprecating mm. uh, which i think made uh, the, the general british yeah. public embrace it more i'm just thinking of him parking his car <laughs> just made me last yeah. yes. just <laughs> straight off the curb, on the curb. <laughs> TV show that you would erase from history? Oh, now, yes, I thought that. I made a couple of notes oh. earlier on. And this is potentially a little controversial. Oh, good. Uh, because you've mentioned it already. Oh. And I just don't get it. And that's Mrs. Brown's Boys. Oh, okay. I, I've tried mm-hmm. and I admire him hugely mm. 
for making it work because it was a concept that that he took round that started actually at the the Glasgow Pavilion Theatre. Right. He persuaded them, persuaded them, persuaded them to let him do the stage version of it. Yeah. And they eventually said yes, and it has become what it has become. So I certainly can't and wouldn't take it away from him. Yeah. But I just don't find it in the remotest <laughs> funny. <laughs> So I'm afraid I never tune in. No, no. I always, as my wife says, when I see it's on, I give my tutting muscles a good workout. Oh, really? And, oh, 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 that's how God. I feel about it. Certainly, yeah, I've got shows like that. What's that, um, that Lee Mack one? Whatever that is. Oh, it's oh like, uh, Not Going Out. Yeah, it's Not, not Funny out? is what I call it, yeah. I don't know what that is. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's, um, so, yeah, sorry to all the cast of, of Mrs. Brown's Boys. I just I can't get it, which is bizarre hmm. because it's actually basically pantomime mm, very um, so. with a little bit yeah a little bit ruder but pantomime uh on screen and i just i can't get I into it why. yeah because it's the breaking of the fourth wall and all of that stuff which uh which yeah. had been done before surely shown many other things like gary shining and whatever but yeah i think for me i i i i think i made myself like it for a little bit like i didn't like it didn't like it didn't like it then i watched it i thought oh, it's okay it's it's a, <laughs> a little titter and then it went straight back to kind of i can't watch this and you know, yeah. I've got you know, I'm half Irish, so it should be up my street. But I don't know, I couldn't get on with it either. It just felt like it's weird because, you know, Mr. Khan, Citizen Khan, um, is almost yeah. almost a similar kind of premise, or not premise, but a similar kind of style of three camera seventies comedy. It is. It's that same broad strokes. Yeah, but I don't know. It just wasn't not, not for me either. I'm with you there. But you know. Well done for Brendan just pushing and pushing and pushing because, I mean, he really did, didn't he? You know, he did well. Yeah, oh, totally. Yeah. And it's, it, it's millions of people love it, mm -hmm. but I'm afraid I'm not one no, of they're them. wrong though, aren't they? So, you know. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so is there a TV show that you would bring back from the dead in its place? Yes, yes, and again, potentially uh, slightly controversial, but I do have caveats. Mm -hmm. um, I used to love, as a kid... Billy Smart's Christmas Circus. Right. Now, I'm a huge circus geek, mm. but I, along with many uh, millions of others, have moved with the times, yeah. so it would be a non-animal circus. Of course. But I just think it is an art form um, that is hugely under-acknowledged, mm. you know. Um, and I remember it being, as you say, you know, uh, when you were saying earlier, as a child, you'd sit and watch it, and it would have that spectacle. Mm. And at the time, yes, you'd watch the elephants. You think that's amazing. Yeah, you don't know any um, exactly. But we know we know now what we know, and they certainly wouldn't feature. But I think, I mean, I go, I go, uh, I travel luckily around the world to see circus mm -hmm. right. um i go to a huge circus festival in monte carlo every january right. and it's i go there because we see acts and friends and i go we see acts there that we would never see mm. in britain that's Human true acts. that's true yeah yeah um, and a part of that is to do with scale because circus isn't as popular in the UK mm. as it is on the continent and part of it is to do with just just the the uh, acknowledgement that we give it as as an art form, mm. I think, um, and it's amazing. I mean, you know, this the circus festival. I think it runs for a fortnight in Monte Carlo, and uh, they fill a five thousand seater tent wow. um, every night, twice on a Saturday, and it's just wonderful. I think I I felt the same way as you. Like, I mean, obviously, I grew up with circuses. I even went to the circus. There used to be one yeah. that came to my town in Ireland every year, and I couldn't wait for it to be in the park. Uh, it was 
definitely animals. There was llamas, yeah. I remember that, and camels. Um, and then, yeah, it fell out of favour. But weirdly, last year on Christmas Day, we went. We were in Valencia in Spain, and we went to see something called Circus Wow. Um, oh, the Spanish right. troupe, and they were fantastic, absolutely brilliant. Weirdly, on the poster, there was still an animal, so I was kind of a bit concerned, but they said there yeah. wasn't. But it was all the sort of strong man stuff, strong women stuff. But it was also yeah. it was all that kind of like, you know, juggling while balancing on a piece of wood, on a piece of tube, on another, and a chair on top, <laughs> and a person on his head. Was, my kids were like, just didn't understand what they were looking at. It was incredible yeah. feats <laughs> of like ingenuity. It was brilliant, absolutely brilliant. Yeah. And like, that's probably the first circus I've seen as an adult. Um, I don't think oh, the Russian state circus and Chinese state circus were big in the nineties, weren't they? Yeah, they um, were huge. Obviously, yeah. they, they came over, um, and again, non-animal circuses, mm, yeah, um, yeah. but just those skills and mm. techniques and abilities that we we don't really see no, anymore. You don't see it on telly. Um, Maybe no. When would that have last been on TV? And you, like Paul Daniels Magic Show or something would have um, exactly. Like they that, they used it? to have sort of circus acts on. Yeah, yeah. and maybe some, occasionally they get a, a um, acrobat troupe on Sunday night at the London Palladium and things like that, which were a part of the old variety bills, of course. Yeah. Um, in theatres. But yeah, I, I think it was the, the last vestiges of, of television circus were like the Christmas and Easter circuses from Billy Smart and then perhaps Robert Brothers did a few after that, but they soon died to death. So you'd like to bring back a sort of, I'd imagine, I can see this on ITV for some reason, an ITV Saturday night, Christmas Eve or whatever, circus yeah. spectacular with all those acts on it. Exactly. Who would be your host? Who's your ideal host? Oh, now there's a good, there's a good question. Uh, Mrs. Brown? No, probably not. Um, <laughs> Gary Wilmot. <laughs> Where's he? Exactly. It would be, it would be someone like that. It would be someone a more new, uh, a bit more recent. <laughs> someone the kids have heard of. Yes, exactly. I think it would have to appeal to the whole family. So it would be, um, yeah, someone along those lines. Probably be Anton Deck. You know, I think they would probably do it Anton very well. Deck. Yeah, Anton Deck. Yeah. We'll do it, or Joe Lyser, or someone like that. Yeah, Yeah. that's a great answer. I like that. No one's ever come up with that. We haven't done a Christmas one, but that's a brilliant answer, Eric. (laughs) I like that. Which Christmas TV character would you embody for 24 hours? You would be that person, fictional or whatever, even a cartoon. You would be that person for 24 hours or character. I had a quick think about this, and it kind of ties in with what I've been doing at Christmas for the past 27 years, Mm -hmm. uh, in that I would love to be on Christmas Day... Mrs. Claus. Ah. Because uh, hubby's out doing all the hard work. Yeah. Doing all the delivery. Um, you, you'd have a quick tidy up, obviously, because it's been a busy few months. Mm-hmm. You make sure all the elves were happy, probably tucked up in bed because they're exhausted. <laughs> the little wrapping fingers are all stiff and sore. Yeah, yeah. Blisters. And basically, you'd sit there with a nice big cup of tea in front of a log fire at the North Pole, a couple of mince pies, mm-hmm. knowing that joy was being spread around the world because of what you and your husband had been working on for the past 12 and a half, 11 and a half months. But actually, you were able to just take a breather, have the house to yourself, and enjoy that lovely festive warmth uh, without having to do any of the hard work. Lovely answer. I don't know if that makes me really festive or really lazy. Probably a combination of the two. Well, it makes you very modern because you decided to swap gender for 24 hours, so I think that makes you pretty modern and on the pulse. <laughs> exactly. Oh, pleasure. I'm well down with the kids. It's just it's the getting back up that's always a problem. <laughs> for like prime to bring out a 
special flavour of uh, reindeer. Beep, beep. That's how I think it tastes like reindeer. Beep, beep, beep. <laughs> Do you know what that is? How down on with the kids yeah. are you? Yeah, I know Prime. Yeah, we yeah. have featured it in a couple of gags, but I don't, I've never tasted it. You don't need to. I mean, you couldn't get hold of it for the first couple of months, could you? get the uh, ice off, I reckon. It's, <laughs> it's absolutely revolting. It's so sweet. It? It's so sweet. Oh. And they drink it and no. they go, hmm. Oh. It's, it's basically just any Gatorade type drink with a, yeah. this endorsed by some online person sweet who we're not going to endorse on here. So, uh, no, of let's course just not. say they're very lovely people and I'm sure they're not... Um, not manipulating my children. Um, what do you think will be the top Christmas show on television in the year 2050? With a, a sort of degree of depression, <laughs> I would probably say it's going to be something like Love Island, The Offspring special. Oh, right. Okay. That's not as dark as it could have gone. Oh, no. Well, no, to be honest. <laughs> let's, let's keep <laughs> Yeah, I just sort of think uh, it'll be some kind of reality TV show. When you think back to what we watched, the old comedy specials, mm. the sitcoms that always had their Christmas specials, which were a great watch, The Good Life or Are You Being Served, all that sort of mm. stuff. I mean, you look back and you think, oh my God, we found that funny. But at the time, mm. they were huge. Um, and now I think, you know, things move on. Um, that, that It's the reality television that is dominating the, 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 the market at the moment, I think. So it probably will continue for another 25-ish years? Well, yeah, I think it probably will. But the big question, I think, Steve, is will it be on television? Ooh. Or will it be streamed? Or will it be... I think it'll be... I think whatever it is, we can't conceive of it because I think it's beyond streaming. I think the streamers will die. Netflix will not continue. No. I think that model is... Uh, I don't know, that and vapes won't be around in about 10 years. I think they'll just be like, <laughs> what were we doing? I know, exactly. You know, why, why did that ever become a thing? Everyone used to get your... I mean, the funny thing is, like, when I talk to people who are a bit young and I try and explain to them that you just put the telly on and find something or you get the, you know, the Radio Times and you'd, you know, just find something that was on instead of this kind of push button, just pick anything you want. But still, yeah. they spend as much time scrolling for something to watch as we did going through yeah. the channels to find something to watch. It's, it's no different. So, I mean, no. I'm quite strict. I, I have a very strict rule about it all, and I do just select what I think is good TV, and we try it out, and if it's crap, we don't watch it. And, and I'll yeah. only watch good things, so I won't watch anything at all. I'm not going to sit there and just, like, watch another documentary about another rich American climbing a mountain or something. I'm sure. just not interested in it. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, no, that makes sense. It's true, and it's, it's also, I think... Um, uh, as it's developing at the moment, it's all about attention span mm -hmm. as well. So I imagine whatever that program is in 2050, it'll probably only last about 15 minutes. Yeah. Because people will be scrolling right by, the, you know. Yeah, I do wonder about that too, because that, like, obviously, since streaming TV shows, you watch a season of something and one episode's 20 minutes, like the Ted Lasso thing, and one minute's one's 45, another one's an hour. You just go along yeah. with it. You go, oh, this must be a good one then. So they have to, they're not confined to that time restriction of, you know, terrestrial television. I wonder Schedule, now, scheduling, yeah. like you say, will it just be everything will be eight minutes? I don't know what it will be. I'd imagine everyone's naked for sure and they've got guns. I, I don't know. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Lovely. <laughs> a TV show you saw as a kid it doesn't have to be a Christmas TV show but something that was on that Christmas that scared the hell out of you I'm sure and I I am pretty sure it was on at Christmas there was a Doctor Who that had me oh, oh no don't like this well, which one was it I, I, it was the one where the, the creatures walked out the lake um, 
they suddenly appeared from underneath the water. It was probably filmed in some quarry in Wales, but it was, um, I'm sure I can almost picture it. It was um, John Pertwee's tenure as the doctor. He was my doctor. Um, And they they sort of walked out of the lake um, and came towards, and I remember that being particularly terrifying. I mean, you know, let's be honest. It was a great programme, but the costume budget and the special (laughs) effects budget were were limited. Um, I can almost remember the name of it. And I know I'll get a whole load of Doctor Who fans screeching um, as they're listening to this. The episode in question was called The Sea Devils, and it was aired in 1972. And what was it that was creepy about it? Just the fact that they were these creatures? Just the fact, A, they were monsters, Mm. and B, that you... They, you know, we and they didn't know they were there, and suddenly they just walked out the lake, and you go, "Oh my god!" And I remember, <laughs> I think I don't know, I must have been seven or eight at the time, but I remember thinking, "Oh, I'm not going to go into the sea before I check. Oh, right. This is a, a sea lord or whatever <laughs> free, like free zone. Your version yeah. of Jaws. Exactly. It became a thing. Oh, wow. um, but it was, yeah, it was pretty terrifying. So I was talking to someone else the other day about uh, monsters, like generally on television, there were loads of monsters in the 70s, most of them hosting Top of the Pops. But um, there was like, <laughs> you know, th- they weren't scared to scare us. Do you know what I mean? They just used to say, yeah. do you think that was some kind of post-war, like, because, you know, we're the first kids of, I think most most of us are like the kids of the yeah. boomers, right? So the Generation X. And um is it some kind of like to give us metal? Was it like to give us like, you know, don't be pansies or whatever the yeah. words used to be? Like, you know, what's scare the kids? Deal, deal with this. Here's the kids' yeah. TV. Big, big, big monster. I mean, <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> you wouldn't do it now. No, of course not. Oh, there'll be all sorts of lawsuits yeah. and health and safety implications. It's on the BBC. No, I think, yeah. But there was a non-Christmas programme series, hmm. I remember, and it was a children's television series about some kind of illness that was going around and made people go mad and beat bash up cars and things like that. And I remember that being particularly terrifying. Like a sort of zombie thing or a sort of yeah. um, like a Korean thing now, a Korean drama now. Yeah. <laughs> so it, was one of those, it was one of those noises that appeared that had been you know, oh, emanating yeah. from some bad uh, source. Yeah, everything was just and like a green light flashing and a weird noise. and a, yeah. yeah, and they'd suddenly go around beating each other up and things like that. But right. as you say, it's an interesting one. I hadn't thought about it. No holds barred. Mm. <laughs> they really went for it. And you go, oh. Yeah. yeah, you're right. It wouldn't be allowed now. No, it wouldn't be allowed now. But I just wonder who was... Because for me, I mean, for a while, I thought, oh, it's like the druggy people from the 60s and it's just having a laugh. But it yes. might not have been. It might. They might, From what I can tell, the people who were running BBC, they were actually quite old at that point. Yeah. They were like in their 50s. These are people from like the 1920s terrifying us. Um, yeah. And I just wonder why they did it. <laughs> That's true, yes. Don't know. Probably may well have been a, a leftover thing from the war about building strength and spirit. And, yeah, I think but then so. again, on the other hand, you had stuff like H.R. Puff and stuff going on, which was mm. definitely drug and... Oh, so much. I mean, almost everything on television <laughs> was so, so weird. I remember seeing an episode... See, I haven't, I haven't tracked this down. It's not Rent-A-Ghost. But there was this... Um, there were two shows, um, and I, I mention them often because I want someone to tell me who they are. But there was two shows, and they might have been the same TV show, but I don't think so. There's one where kids went down in a lift and it went so far down that it went to hell, essentially. And they came out and everything was green. This is the thing. Everything was green in the 70s when it was evil. I don't know why. Yeah. Not red, green. And there was another show, if not the same one, where these kids went in a tube train. And I grew up in London, right? So I used to go to school on the tube. And the train just went ever so slightly down and down and down and down and down until that tube train opened at this sort of scary, flickering light, Darren Brown-type 
you know, platform. Yeah. Uh, they got out and everything was green. And the assumption was, again, that they were in hell, you know. That's vaguely familiar. Proper the tube train one is. inducing stuff, you know. Yeah. Horrible. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> I know. But then yeah. again, so were the Tomorrow people. So, you know. Yeah, that's and the banana splits. The banana splits. Do you know what they bought yeah. those? Was it the Big Breakfast Society showing that? In the I think so, yeah. They brought yeah, it back, didn't they? And I remember that. I had this, like, visceral reaction to it. Like, oh, I remember that. And it creeped me out. It made me jump when I saw it the first time because it was just so those oversized dog faces and there's something you know i almost i almost wanted to be hypnotized when i saw that because something bad happened here <laughs> that on the test card seriously oh god there's hours hours it used to be on in the corner waiting for something decent to come on <laughs> comes alive okay well thank you so much for coming on and, and chatting because it's it's been it's been an absolute pleasure to see you after oh and you steve six and a half years <laughs> yes it's scary you don't look yeah. any different <laughs> <laughs> All right. Yeah, thanks exactly. for coming out. Is there anything you'd like to plug yourself? Well, no, just um, um, support Panto. That's my world now. And it's, uh, I think these days, we, everyone could do with just a couple of hours of escapism and fun and just something that isn't the traumas and torments of uh, modern life. Yeah, so, especially now yeah. more than ever. Yeah, quite. Total agreement. Well, thanks for coming on. Cheers, Steve. That was the great Eric Potts there. I had a great chat with him. I really enjoyed catching up. Uh, it was it was just so like uh, it was one of the few where I'd actually sent the questions ahead of time, which I only started doing around this time with this recording, and uh, he just had answers for everything. You know, he was really really well prepared. I was blown away by it, and I sort of have done a bit more of that uh, since that recording. It, it makes things easier. Uh, so to guest number two, Brad Fitt. Now, Brad Fitt uh, is in the Panto in Shrewsbury most years, uh, certainly this year. Uh, and he is an actor. He is a producer. He is directed. Now, I first met Brad when he was the company manager of a tour of Woman in Black that I worked on that went to India and Singapore back in 2004, 100 years ago. And I haven't seen Brad. I must have bumped into him at some point after that. So it was really good to catch up with him and to talk to him now in the future, even though he looks exactly the same as a father and a performer, uh, one of the great dames in the country. So you've heard Eric Potts. Now over to Brad Fitt. It's Brad, 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 Brad Fitt. Anyway, how are you, Brad? I'm all right, thank you. I saw you very recently, about 19 years ago. <laughs> is that when it was? I don't know. Is it? Have I ever seen you after India? That's the question. What year was that? 2004. I oh, know. Then I don't think I have seen you. So really? there we go. Steve Otis Gunn, as I live and breathe. <laughs> I was a company manager on uh, The Woman in Black. That we did, we did the UK tour, didn't we? Yeah. And then, and then it went to Singapore and India. Yeah, <laughs> Singapore first, um, and then we went out to India with the Indian promoter Ajit Saldana. Wow, you still got the name. What was the, name the company? I'll never forget. <laughs> I can't remember the name. I can't remember the name of the company. I just they become big. I think they became big. They started investing in lots of stuff. I think they might be worth a lot of money now. I remember it being a, quite a. Um, yeah, quite a, an experience. <laughs> I just remember I, I passed Sheffield recently and that's where we ended, right? We ended the UK tour in Sheffield. And I remember that day because we ended in Sheffield, did an overnight get out that took a really long time for some reason because it was all going to Asia or some of it was. Yeah. I don't know. I just remember pushing loads of props around. Anyway, and I got an overnight 
bus or like four in the morning bus that was delayed from Sheffield, got to London, went to my mum, dropped a bag, went to the airport, got on a plane with Andrew, <laughs> came off the other end, and then they took us out straight away in like Singapore for like drinks. And I was just sitting around this table like absolutely like been up for three days pretty much. I think, just, yes, we did, we did close in, uh, in. We finished in Sheffield and then some of the props were going to India and some mm-hmm. were going back to storage. And I think we were taking things out as well. I think people were taking costumes in their luggage. And- yeah, and there was a lot of stuff in India where we were pushing the, the trunks around the airport and trying to get them on planes. <laughs> and they weren't paying the amount. They weren't paying the right amount to people. No, that's like, right. oh, it's all going to be fine. And they were like, basically yeah. like bribing them to let these things on the plane. Yeah, it was so all weird. excess baggage and things like that, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah. That's what it was. A good old excess baggage tour. Excess baggage tour. And the set was so cheap that they built one in every venue that's all i remember yeah we had we had two well they built one in singapore didn't they Mm. and then they built one for the first venue in india i can't remember where did we we went to bangalore uh what would it have been and delhi first yeah so we built a set in singapore they built one in mumbai and then the one from whilst we're in mumbai they sent the one from singapore to bangalore or something bangalore and then whilst we're in bangalore they sent the one from delhi to Mumbai. Yeah. And the theatre was shaped, in Bangalore, the theatre was shaped like a instrument, a violin? Was it a violin? Like from above? It was like a... I wouldn't put it past them. I don't know. I remember we got up like in the middle of the night to go to uh, the Taj Mahal. Yeah, you went on that trip. I didn't because I'd already been and I was... Oh, did you not go? No, Andrew was with you and I was getting messages all day about like they've taken us to another emporium. <laughs> And you were just like, we we had to we had to leave at something like three a.m. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, we, there wasn't much space in the van, and we weren't allowed to take lots of bags and things. I I uh-huh. elected to take one of a pillow from the hotel, really, and sort of um, so I could sleep in this minibus. And um, so I, I I slept pretty much until sunrise, and then we were just mm. in traffic and and. We got there. It was amazing. We got there, but um, I soon ran out of things to give away, like pens and yeah, sweets and things like that. And then, and then coming back, we were driving back, and the inside of the minibus, and we couldn't have the windows open anyway because of the fumes from the traffic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But then, then the fumes <laughs> were getting stronger and stronger. We realised they were coming into the into the van from the um, sort of clutch area of the mm. minibus and we all had to jump out i've oh, got really? pictures of me and robin stood on the side of the road and really? robin herford the director on the phone talking to kenny wax about something <laughs> talking to kenny from the road to agra that's amazing <laughs> pretty much you got three kids is that right three boys three boys i've got three children as well two boys one girl so yeah. all family men now. <laughs> Three boys. And um, yeah, uh, what are they now? They're 13, 15 and 18. Wow, that's proper. How's all the sort of phone action going? How do you, get, oh, how'd you navigate all to, that? I had to, um, I drew up some contracts a few months ago and oh. uh, I, they all signed a contract Tell about me more. <laughs> what they could do with them, you know, you know, whilst I'm paying the bill, you know, they can't change the passcode, for example. They can't mm. 
know, they can't delete apps, they can't add apps, they, you know, without my say so or whatever. Can you properly restrict what they see? I mean, can you realistically restrict what they see? I think so. I've got Apple family and stuff like that. And, yeah. you know, you, you, you can do, but they're kids. I mean, they, you know, technology has moved so fast in my lifetime. Hmm. You know, you and I were around when phones came out. Yeah. I can sort of keep up with them. Yeah. But, you know, I not totally. Um, whereas if I get stuck on something now, my kids will work it out. You know, they'll bing, 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 yeah. and, and they've unlocked it. And my 13-year-old the other day told me that he was spitting facts. <laughs> spitting facts? He probably is. Well, he didn't say it like I said. He, he said, I'm spitting facts, man. I said, I beg your pardon. <laughs> I beg your pardon. I said, do you know you're telling me the truth? Yeah. It's yeah. the bruv and the bra and the, and the uh, what's the American saying? We say oh. bruv, they say... I don't know. I bra. don't know. I just, I don't, I, I, I refuse to answer him. But they use words in a way that don't make any sense. Like, I said something the other day and my nine-year-old, he just went, bombastic side-eye. And I was like, what's <laughs> bombastic side-eye? And also they just use word, like a different, a word that we know. Like, he'll do a kick in the schoolyard and he'll just go, oh, I just Brexited him. You Brexited him. What does that now mean? That doesn't mean what I think it means. So what have you turned that into? They just, I think it's just all kinds of the world, Steve. I've, I've no idea <laughs> half of the stuff that Alfie, the youngest, honestly, I'm spitting, I'm spitting facts, man. Um, what else does he say? Well, he says all sorts of stuff. And I just sort of look at him and I think, I, 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 I just don't understand anymore. And they don't have your your sort of um, dialect when you're because where do they get the street talk from? Because that's what I don't want. I don't want my probably son to come YouTube. home. Probably yeah. YouTube, like you say, because I I we they don't have YouTube on their phones, but there is YouTube on the TV. And if I mm. they get they get TV time, and I say you know when so Shane and I obviously they you know they they were foster children to begin with, and they're right. now we're they're long term. We are now legal guardians to all three of them. Yeah. Um, and we started off like many people, I, I suppose, that um, either have children or adopt or foster children. We started out with great intentions. We're like, no TV, you know, yeah. TV's going to be, you know, a treat. <laughs> Phones are going to be a treat, you know, no plastic toys. When they were kids, oh, I was yeah, like, I don't, want, I don't want plastic toys laying everywhere. Da, da, yeah. da, da. I mean, it's, and, and, and that all went out the window quite Can't a bit. Be. Yeah. And in fact, when we went into lockdown, I oh, was yeah. like, right, okay, lockdown, home teaching, day one. Mm -hmm. I was, I, you know, printed out the stuff, sat down with them at their table. I was two hours into it and I mm. respond to Amazon and I bought three Google Chromebooks. <laughs> really? Within, within two hours of, <laughs> of homeschooling, right. I got them Chromebooks and da da da. And, you know, and now they get TV and. It's just that thing. You say, oh, please, just just go and put the TV on. There's nothing wrong with television. I mean, I grew up with a lot of telly. I mean, obviously, this podcast is generally about television, but yes. I, I I, don't think it's that bad. I, 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 and that's the thing I find is like, whatever the generation is, like my nan and granddad, who I basically grew, grew up and um, brought me up, were like, you know, oh, stop listening to music. You're going to go deaf or whatever because you had a Walkman on or mm. stop looking at telly. You'll get square eyes. And now I'm like, please look at telly because they look at YouTube. And I'm like, can you not just watch like a proper program, something with good editing and good sound instead of some idiot? Like, you know, <laughs> you know it's like, and they're just watching this or some new flavor of drink is a thing. I was, watching, I was in the other room the other day and they, they wanted to watch YouTube. And I said, okay, fine. Because I thought they were watching, you know, 
I mean, I watch YouTube. I quite I like YouTube. I think there's great channels on YouTube, and there are bits and pieces that I will watch. Mm. But I don't necessarily, uh, you know. Well, they, they watch um, short things, and like you say, is who's is it, Mister Beast? Mister yeah, Beast, Mister peddling his burgers and all kinds of other yeah, food, nonsense. You know, they like they're going on to me. They they want Mister um, Beast chocolates, edibles. They want <laughs> yeah, prime. 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 I've been through the in and out the other side of that prime. now. Prime. Three pounds, basically. Three pounds for a, for a it's basically coconut water with yeah, a bit but it's of KSI flavored. You see, well, I've no idea what that. But they, um, <laughs> but they do watch these things, and I'll be yeah. in the other room, and I'll, I'll walk through and say, "What earth are you watching?" Because none of it makes any sense. It's it's sort of American kids. It's always American, yeah. Pretending uh, to be in situations that are obviously fake, mm-hmm. and um, and just these short sort of. Well, I suppose that's their. Um, that's what's annoying is, is that it's their uh, attention span is so oh, yeah, short. YouTube shorts uh, under a minute. That's what they're supposed to be, right? Yeah. And you try and make them, you know, you try and make them watch a good David Attenborough. It's <laughs> yeah. not, not quick enough, is it? It's not, it's not snappy enough. Like when I use, like, when I really need to use that, like if they're off or there's a teacher training day or, you know, half term and they're home, it's like mm. I say to my eldest, what's the longest film that you guys could sit through? <laughs> so I can get as much time where I can do some work. And, the, and I think two hours, after two hours, I hear them like jigging about. They can't really do it. But two hours is pretty good. Give them a big old Spider-Man film or whatever. But yeah, yeah it's fine. It's all good. But my eldest, he will watch anything. He would watch, well, he, he has, in fact. I mean, he will just get up in the morning and put the TV on when he knows he's not allowed to and turn the volume down. And yeah. he will sit there and not move. In the past, we've put films on when we've wanted like a Sunday afternoon nap or something. We've put yeah. a film on, and we have—I have fallen asleep on the sofa within minutes because that's generally what happens if I put a film on. And um, I've woken up near the end of the film and realised that they've watched the entire film in Spanish. Oh, really? And they've not said anything. They've just watched it. <laughs> yeah, we do some. Sometimes you watch Japanese stuff, and uh, I leave the language on so they can sort of hear it. But uh-huh. yeah, I mean, we've uh, one of our kids. If you like, put a Studio Ghibli movie on or something, he will just zone out. You won't see him for two hours. Oh, really? Um, I went to parents' evening last night, and I was quite with all of this conversation we're having right now. Uh, I was a bit irritated by what I saw. There were about twenty kids, all like this, staring at TikTok on their parents' phones. Clearly clearly not not restricted in any way just mm. clicking after clicking going up and down and my son was going over there just looking at him. and i was like don't look at the come away stop looking stop zoning out and looking at the screen but the other mm. kids were just like they weren't moving they were like zombies and i was like these kids are like six why are you giving them phones I'm like oh when can i have a phone so it all goes full circle we're not doing any of that they can buy their own phone when they get a job <laughs> hopefully by then the internet will be turned off <laughs> Many years ago, I was sat in a. I, I was a producer at Curve in Leicester, mm. and I was sat in a meeting, and I kept getting a phone call from uh, a foreign number, and I, I was in a meeting, so I left yeah. it, and then it, it called again, and so eventually I thought I better get this, so I said, "Excuse me." So I took this call, and it was a guy. So hello, is a, and, and I can't remember where he was from, Germany or something. I don't. Remember, I can't remember where he was from, but. He was basically asking me, do I own bradfit.com? 
And right. I said, yes, that's my, that's my website. Why? And he wanted to buy it. Ah. And I said, well, it's not for sale. It's, no, it's my website. I don't, what, what do you want it for? And he said, oh, you know, I, I, we just want to buy it. And I said, well, I'm afraid it's not for sale. Anyway, I hung up and I just let, I used to own bradfit.com and bradfit.co.uk. And I never used .co.uk. And so I I just let it sort of lapse because I thought, I don't need it. Why do I need that as well? Yeah. And then I I was thinking about this thing. I was, why does this guy want to buy my website? And then I realized that bradfit.co.uk had been bought. And then when I Googled it, um, it Careful. was uh, it was a Bratislavan <laughs> adult entertainment star. Exactly, adult entertainment star Goes by the name of Brad Fit. Yeah, that's that's unfortunate. I went to I went I, I did ask Equity at the time mm. um, because I said I, I, I listeners that wouldn't know that if you're a member of Equity, one of the things they protect is your mm. name, your professional name. Now, Brad Fit is my real name. Yeah. I was. Born Brad Fit, Bradley Rubin Fit. Um, it is my name. It's my stage name. It's what I use. But I went to them and I said, "Listen, because the trouble was that if you searched me on Twitter or X or whatever it's yeah. called now, you would get several. You'd get pictures of me uh, doing panto. Yeah. You'd also get pictures of oh really you know, this oh, okay. this Bratislavan chap because Twitter has no bar on no. image uh, pictures and stuff like that. So you would get these pictures. So it was a sort of a you know, I've got a, a, a sort of a younger fan base that would look up mm. Panther oh, pictures yeah. and da, da, da. So I spoke to Equity at the time and they they basically said to me, oh, there's nothing we could do because he's, unless he's a member of Equity. It's <laughs> <laughs> crazy. I don't, think, I don't think you need to be a member of Equity for if you're doing that. The films that you just mentioned. Really? Oh, he's definitely a member of something. Yeah, they, they, couldn't, they couldn't help me there. But yeah, I don't know. I don't know if he's if he's still if he's still around or whether he's um, he's certainly not got his website anymore. Oh, right. But yes, yeah, sorry, that's not my IMDb. I sort of fell into the the performing side because I trained as a stage manager, and then I I used to be company manager for uh, Biggins, Christopher Biggins. Yes. Uh, when he used to do pantos and we did about five years at Cambridge and I used to offer up the odd joke to him and things like that right. as his company. Manager. I'd say, Oh, why didn't you try this joke? Why did you try mm. that? And then I started writing more and more for him. And then when he decided to move on from Cambridge, Cambridge Arts Theatre asked me if I would then write the following year's pantomime. So that's how I fell into writing panto. And then once I'd written it, uh, the first year I wrote the first panto, they said, yeah, great. Well, do you want to direct it? Yeah. And I said, well, I've never done that. And they said, well, you've never written one before, but you've, you've written it, so you must know what happened. So I gave that a go. So I thought, well, I'll, yeah, all right. So I directed. I fell into directing. And then after about th- uh, four or five years of writing and directing, mm. they asked me if I would play Ugly Sister because I'd sort of got known in Cambridge as the writer and director. And I said no to begin with. And then eventually I thought, well, nobody's ever going to ask me to do this again. Yeah. And I love Panto, so, you know, it's now or never. Did you do acting before? No, I'd never been on stage before. The first time I'd been on stage in front of an audience was um, the first show I did at Cambridge with an audience in. I did the tech and everything, and the first time I'd been on stage in front of people was that first pantomime. So you did that exact thing. You went from backstage to to on stage, which is really hard to do. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, some comedians start out teching for other comedians. I didn't know that. Yeah. Let's yeah. Uh, swerve into the pod. Let's get some questions in. Well, I don't want to keep you too long. All um, right. I'm, I'm like the worst person you could have asked on about TV. I don't think so, because you never know, because these right. can be... So you don't watch much now. You're not a TV guy now. I do watch TV, but I... Whereas, you know, I will think, oh, I'd like to watch that, and I will sit and watch it or i go back i visit things that i know i like because hmm. i sort of i'm i'm i say i'm of an age i'm i'm not that old i want to make sure that i'm not you know i've got so much i'm i'm i'm, I'm really busy hmm. you know busy home life busy work life you know i like to try and keep uh the brain ticking over so i'm sort of trying to learn italian at the minute um really well, just because I, I find that as you get older, I keep thinking, well, I'm not using my brain in, you know, other ways. So, hmm. But I don't want to invest that much time. I haven't got time to think, oh, I'll try this. So I, I tend to go back to things that I know I like. Right. A bit like theatre, people, you know, you find people go back to shows that they think, oh, I like whatever, Les yeah. Mis or Mary Poppins or whatever. I like that. So that's what I'm going to spend my money on. I'm not going to... I love a good rewatch. Um, I was in a in a hotel recently, and both days I watched an old film that I'd already seen um, yeah. because I wanted I, I knew I wanted to watch A River Wild because I knew that was good, and I wanted to watch um, was it Tombstone, the old western from 1993. Oh, yeah. And I sat there and watched. They were fantastic, and I knew that they were probably better than anything else that's out now. So I was like, I'll just watch those. <laughs> so it's, it's good, good, isn't it? Because you think to yourself, right, I've got an hour and a half. I'm going to watch Zulu. Yeah, you know, <laughs> one of my favourite films, Zulu, because really? I like I, you know. I know it inside out, and hmm. I know I'm going to enjoy it. And if I nod off, <laughs> I know where I am. But this is not about films. If we say films, or if you say films, you get this. Oh, um, right, okay. Good panto noise for you. Um, okay, Brad, let's, let's delve in. If you could, which television character from a Christmas TV show would you embody for 24 hours? Can be a cartoon, can be fictional. It'd be a comic or something. Would, the, the only things I can remember... Some sort of slightly obsessed with comedy. Uh, mm-hmm. Things like, you know, Morecambe and Wise, Tommy Cooper. I thought you were going to say Larry Grayson. Did Larry Grayson have a TV show? Because I saw him on your feed. I always forget yes, he, he exists. Did, yeah. did he? What was it? Larry Grayson. He did uh, He did the Larry Grayson Hour of Stars. He did, um, he was host of uh, Saturday Variety. Hmm. He did the Generation Game. The Generation Game. I would have seen him on that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I thought Larry he was Larry Grayson. That's yeah, yeah. one of my, one of my, Favourites. Yeah, he's brilliant. Did you remember that, did you? Oh, I remember him. Yeah, we used to watch him, me, my nan and granddad. My grandparents loved watching Larry Grayson. It's so funny. It's kind of like, <laughs> I guess he has what Julian Clary has. It's that kind of like, he's always, no matter what he says, it sounds like a double entendre and it's always funny. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Did he, yeah. was he old or was he not old when we were watching him? On those things. He, he, he didn't become famous until he was sort of in his early 50s, really. Oh, he right. was... He was branded an overnight success in the seventies, I think. Right. Um, when he was, he started uh, as Billy Bream, his name was, and um, he used to tour working men clubs and things like that. And in the first half, he would do two acts a night. First half, he would come on uh, and do drag. I can't remember what his name was, his drag name, but he would come on dressed as a woman and do stand up. His bill matter was. Uh, whatever it was, the reason the troops went east and west was what they said about him. And then he would put a suit, and then he'd go off and somebody else would do something, and then he'd come back on in his suit and do his Billy Bream act, which was Larry Grayson. Hmm. Wow. Um, and then 
Danny LaRue used to run a club in London and needed some time off because he never had any time off. And he got Larry Grayson in to host for him right. for a couple of weeks. And he was spotted by... Michael Grade. Come to me later. No, who? Michael Grade, I was going to say. The yes, that's it. it. Is. No, oh, exactly who it is. Michael Grade oh. spotted him and uh, booked him as a host on this show called Saturday Variety. And he did six minutes and then they booked him for the rest of the season. And mm. that's where he became this sort of overnight success. But he'd been touring for 30 years already. Wow. Isn't it weird? Because, like, you, I mean, I know it's a bit of a sidebar, but because you're a panto dame, and that is essentially, is it? A, would you say it's a form of drag? It's a bloke in a dress, yeah. And, like, a bloke in a dress, yeah, that's... Uh, um, but there is, like, it's funny how, like, people have a slight problem with drag now, especially in America, and yet it was always on telly in some form. Like, there was two Ronnies who were always dressing up as women and yeah. and Danny LaRue you said that name I haven't Danny thought of LaRue, that name for Stanley years Baxter, used to watch that all Dick the time Emery. Dick Emery used to love Dick Emery yeah. Dick Emery everyone uh, uh, what's his name um, Les Dawson Les Lewis Dawson Sissy and Ada with Roy Barraclough yeah it's weird isn't it it was just like We're going back I mean you had people like Norman Evans over the garden wall I don't know if you remember no, him I don't know that one uh, he, he, used, he did a routine where he would literally lean on a garden wall as though he was the neighbour talking mm. to his but is that troublesome in the way that the sort of um, Little Britain did, I'm a lady? You know, is it is it in that way awkward and troublesome in the modern climate? Or do you think it's just, com- just what's the word, confabulated? Uh, I don't know. Um, I don't know about the, what were they called? Was it David Williams and, what was that called? Little Britain. Little Britain, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I that don't sketch is, I guess it's because it's in slightly bad taste in the way that they did it, in that... Yeah, I think so. Kenny Everett as well, Justin, yeah. Everyone did it. But it it wasn't an issue or considered in any... It was just like normal comedy, right? Just people would dress up as women and run about and it was funny. Whereas now there's a slight conversation that I have heard on the grapevine of in the future this will be deemed as some kind of blackface kind of thing, you know, dressing up as a woman when you shouldn't and all that kind of thing. But I don't know. Uh, yeah, possibly. I mean, it, it goes. Yeah, I don't know. It's uh, mm. it's all changing, isn't it? I mean, panto changes. It has changed over the years. It always changes, but then it always stays the same. People always say, "Oh, it's this is all new stuff." I mean, I don't know if you remember in the eighties when uh, in pantomime you had people like Frank Bruno and Ian Botham, uh, you know, playing genies and kings, whatever. Yeah, but you had sports people specifically in the 80s, you know, suddenly they were all doing... Why did did Cinderella with um, that female um, tennis player who's on Strictly at the minute? Um, I've never uh, seen Strictly. But she was a tennis player and and, and people were like, oh, why why is there sports stars in, you know, why are they using sports stars? Well, they used, you know, if you go back to the 1800s and pantomimes at the Drury Lane and things they used to have boxing matches i mean it was all the same they used to have sports people hmm. on stage they would just be doing the doing the show and then suddenly they'd bring a boxer on you know nothing is new really. that's really funny because the argument that sounds so similar to what i heard in the sort of about 10 or so years ago when i'd be on tour with some playful of actors um and they'd say oh i can't believe the reality star from blah 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 is doing the panto and working and she's gone on stage with you know the script. It's kind of the yeah. same, the same thing. Like because that was the pool that they got from was was reality yeah. TV stars, which is kind of what they still sort of do sometimes, I guess. One from children's yeah, TV. I one reality from... TV stars would be uh, back then would have been the um, you know 
I'm not going to say who it was because I actually quite like them now, but um, <laughs> but they were people that I was like thinking, who the hell is that? Well, how do they? They can't act. But that wasn't the point, right? The point is they kind of can't act. That's what's funny about it. Yeah, I mean, it goes through stages, doesn't it? I mean, you you still get some of them. Some of them are still doing it, aren't they? You st- I see, I saw a poster with somebody the other day and I didn't even know who they were, but Arge or something. And they were in The Only Way is Essex. No, right. I don't, know who that is. I don't know if I've that's still on. I've never seen it in my life. Yeah, there's no. there's a guy, there's a couple of them on the Celebrity SAS, which me and my wife watch. And um, right. we usually watch it when we're eating pizza or something, so we can watch other people <laughs> doing exercise, <laughs> drag themselves through mud while we tuck into something unhealthy. Um, yeah. uh, there's two on there. I've never seen their faces in my entire life. I mean, most of them, I don't know who they are. I knew who Melinda Messenger was. That was about it. I saw a bit of Strictly the other night. I didn't. I didn't know who anyone was apart from Angela Rippon. <laughs> that's showing the age there, right? Yeah. Angela Rippon. That's because of Morecambe and Wise. And that's because of Morecambe and Wise. That's who I'd be if I got twenty-four hours. I'd be Eric Morecambe. There you go. Eric Morecambe be a good. Time. I'd be Eric Morecambe. Pre nineteen eighty-five. Yes. When, yeah. That, I was very sad when he died. I still remember it. I still remember finding out that he died and just being. I felt like he was my own granddad. Do you know what I mean? I felt a real mm. link to him. I never felt with Ernie Wise, even though Ernie Wise was, you know, more of the variety star back in the day. But I loved Eric Morecambe. So it was absolute genius. Yeah, yeah. I think a lot of people felt like that. Do you remember, you must have talked about Tommy Cooper before on this Yeah, I saw that. I remember, that, I remember sitting there Me too. when that happened. Yep, sitting there in Sunday the lounge. Night at London Palladium. I just had my bath pre, pre-school <laughs> on Monday morning. Yeah. Uh, it was horrible. I was in a house horrible. in Mel Barton in Norfolk. I, I, I can remember everything about that that moment. Yeah, I remember my nan going to my granddad. Oh, is he all right? And he goes, hey, he's just he's just acting. My granddad was a Yorkshireman, and and then there was this weird noise through the telly, and then it just went to that. I don't know. I don't think it went to like a cat, cat with music or anything, but it did definitely cut out for a while. Not quite yeah, test it went card. To, went to an ad, I think, and then yeah. And they the, got Jimmy Tarb, wheeled Jimmy Tarbuck back on. And they sort of pulled him in, they pulled his arm in or something through the curtain. It was all very horrible. They pushed the curtain over him, yeah, that's it. Ugh, horrible. But I mean, that's what he wanted. He would have wanted that. He definitely would have wanted that. Yeah. Yeah, he was great that's how too. he wanted to go. There's so many great people on television. In his sleep. Yeah, on stage. Not screaming like all his passengers. <laughs> Let's try another TV question and see, how, see if we can get it. Okay, a Christmas TV show that you would erase from history. Nobody can remember it. Men in Black, press the button, boop, it's gone. When I think about Christmas television as a kid, all I can remember is something to do. Is it, I just didn't like it, but it was always on. Was it Noel's Christmas Presents or something like that? It was some sort of show. It was something to do with Noel Edmonds Hmm. doing stuff on Christmas morning, and it seemed to be on for like eight hours. Really? <laughs> was it called Noel's Christmas Party or Let's Noel's Christmas Presents? A lot of people have a problem with him. Um, Noel's Christmas Presents, it was called. And it 89 to 99. Whoa, 10 years. What did he do? Presents were delivered to well-deserving members of the public. Hmm. I don't remember much about it. I just remember that it was. it seemed to always be on one of those sort of Christmas morning. And what didn't you like about it? Was he creepy or something? Probably Noel Edmonds. I don't know. I just I have no idea. He when he was on like Swap Shop, I liked him, and then he sort of went a bit. Well, someone you know, there was that incident, obviously, which got the show cancelled, and then I guess he was out of favour for a bit until the Swap Shop. Yeah, I quite remember. Yeah, I sort of remember Swap Shop. Was he on Tiswas? He wasn't Tiswas. No, was he? no, that was um, 
Bob Carroll G's. Oh, yeah. Sammy Lenny Henry. Something. Lenny Henry and uh, what's his name? It's Chris Tarrant. Yeah. There you go. Chris Tarrant. Chris Tarrant. There you go. Sally James? Sally James. I think yes. she, might, she might have done it for me. Sally James. I still remember that name. Um, <laughs> <laughs> brunettes in the early 80s. That was my kind of cup of tea. Yeah, well, that, I don't like I don't, A lot of people put in the TV show that you want to throw away is Noel's House Party. A lot of people hate that. It's, it's kind well, of let's, very well let's 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 put Noel's Christmas presents in as well. So uh, conversely, would there be yeah. a TV show that was on at Christmas that you'd like to bring back? There's a thing that used to used to be on television, and it's it's actually on. I think it still plays every year in Germany, right? And it's a it's an old English comic by the name of Freddie Frinton, right? who, oh God, he must have died in the 60s or something, but his name was Freddie Frinton, and he did a sketch. He used to do a sketch called Dinner for One. Okay. Which, where he played the butler to a sort of a, 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 a duchess or something who lives on her own, and she has this sort of New Year's Eve meal. Right. And uh, all her friends are gone. Uh, because she's so old and it's a sketch and i th- i think it's still on tv it's sort of like every year in germany they play it on, at christmas right and he goes around and he plays all of the characters oh okay so she says i think we'll start with the soup james he said very good ma'am and he sort of goes off and gets the soup and he goes around all of the tables serving it to the you know the um the colonel, right. the duchess, the the whoever, the Yorkshireman, and he and then he has to sit down and um, drink. I know it's drinks he does. It will start with a sherry, so he, he gives a sherry to everyone, and then he has to go around the table, and she says, "Your health," and he says, "You know," and he drinks it, mm-hmm. and he goes around playing all these characters, and then. She says, what's for main course? And he says, fish, mum. He said, we'll have white wine with the fish. And it, he does the same thing. Yeah. And he just gets drunker and drunker <laughs> as, it, as it goes on. And um, uh, it's very, very funny. So is he playing it's, all the characters at the table apart from the woman? Yes, it's just him and, him and the lady that's, uh, you know, how ordering did, him around. How did it's they called do that? Dinner for One, Freddie Frinton. You'll guessing, be able to get that on. Guessing it looks like that's that. That's him. Yeah. yeah. That's it. Wow. So I think it, we should bring that. I think we should have that as well. Every year, just show it on television. Or, just show or, it. Just or, show it. You could also bring it back like one of those, um, have you ever seen Murder in Successville? Those kind of shows oh. where there's been a murder and it's hosted by Tom Davis and like you sit, you throw a celebrity in there, like you know, just they'll pick anybody and then you've got cat, people playing like, different characters like Gordon Ramsay or other people off the telly and they're all but Gordon Ramsay's a policeman you know it's that kind of thing and they have to right. solve the crime you could sort of do a new version of that and throw people into it to see how how they actually sink or swim that would quite be a lot of fun let's bring that in yeah a version let's of bring it. that that and Freddie Frinton yeah show the sketch and then do a, a sort of live yeah. version get all those uh, only ways Essex people to uh <laughs> I th- I take uh, uh, Ken Dodd's advice. Ken Dodd always said that you should never talk about religion or politics because you'll you'll upset at least half your audience. Mm. The only thing he said is politicians are like babies' nappies; they should be changed often and for the same reason. <laughs> full full circle. <laughs> Talking about when you have kids and you have all those um, plans, and then they all go out the window like plastic toys. Yeah, you know, massive massive room full of landfill next to this room. Yeah, um, we got. Um, like cloth nappies when that kid's yeah. born. And we had the whole thing set up. We're going to be really green. You're really eco about it. Yeah. I think it lasted about a week. Yeah. 
And they just went, they, in fact, they are the landfill. Wherever that lot went, I don't know what happens to that stuff, but we were like, of course. Terry Towling. <laughs> Terry Towling and these weird sort of... I remember those, Terry. I've, I've got two younger brothers, so I remember, I remember um, as a child, those Terry Towling nappies going around the... Um, what were they? What were those? They weren't washing machines. They were sort of twin tubs. A twin tub with the with the massive <laughs> like the tube on the tap and the tube in the sink to drain. Yeah, and the yeah, massive yeah. wooden tweezers that used to pick the soaking wet stuff out yeah. and put into the spinner. Well, in my book, as you may know, you shot my dog and I love you. Uh, there's actually a bit in there available in all bookshops and online. There is a section in there where I take a shower in 1981 in Ireland. And the way we used to take a shower is we'd get that twin tub and my mum would put on the shortest wash, which was like 10, 15 minutes or 20 minutes or that. And she would put the, the, the water from the hot tap, if it was hot. I don't even think it might have been a cold tap. I think the, the washing machine heated up the cold water and we had to wait for it to drain. And then we'd stand on this concrete sort of slab going downwards that my dad built in the sort of out out house near the toilet because it was outside because it was Ireland in the 80s so England in the 50s and so I had this tube and I'd hold it above my head with no way to sort of spread the water out just a tube over my head and we'd wait for it would make a noise and we'd be like now and you'd get the tube and you'd put it over your head and you would wash with the drained water from the twin tub because we'd use that as our power shower I'm telling you from a (laughs) hundred they don't know they're born Steve (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it's unbelievable you should tell your son you should tell your son that and then and then when he says really it's say yeah i'm spitting facts what are you up to next brad i still work for pw productions mm-hmm. i'm an associate producer for them so we're still uh, we've got woman in black is on out on the road at the moment of course it is um i booked the tours and um I last year I tried to get ATG. I said, "Look, I want the Liverpool Empire because we went to the Liverpool Playhouse, which is seven hundred seater, hmm. and we were going back." And I said, "I want the I want the Empire," and they said, "It's two and a half thousand seats for which show?" Inspector Calls. Right. Yeah, I can see. We I think we did Woman in Black there once, and it was a no. The, the general hum of the people. We did. Was that, was that the tour? Yeah, we did do yeah, yeah. Woman in Black at Liverpool Empire, and nobody could hear anything. No, yeah, it was a nightmare. We we, we mic them now, but um, good. <laughs> I think it's audiences have changed more than actors, but um, people just expect it. But um, I said I want Liverpool Empire, and it sold out. Eight shows, you could not get a ticket, and I went to box office because I had a I had a spare ticket, and um, hmm. I gave it to the box office. I said I've got a spare ticket for tonight if you want. And they said, oh yeah, we put it up for sale. We've got a waiting list. And just after I'd given it to them, one of our actresses came to me and said, I don't suppose you've got a spare ticket for tonight, have you? My mum wants to come. And I said, well, I've just given one. Let me go back. So I went back. I said, can I have that ticket? They said, we've sold it. It's gone. Wow. He said, it, I said, that's unbelievable. We've sold every, There's not one seat to be had at the Liverpool Empire. He said, no. He said, last week, he said, we had um, Mother Goose with Ian McKellen. Hmm. And he said he had to come around and book some tickets and he said he sat here and he saw my screen because uh, they, were, they weren't sold out. And he saw the screen for Inspector Calls and it just said sold out across it. And Ian McKellen said, an Inspector Calls sold out? How on earth is that sold out? <laughs> I thought that's brilliant. 
I only met him once, and it was outside the fortune. It was uh, one of the first years I worked there, and he's out front. He was looking at the poster. He was looking at the thing. He was deciding. And I said, oh, it's a very good show, you know. I don't know if you've seen it on it. He goes, oh, I haven't seen it at all. I said, oh, you should come. You should come and see it. He goes, oh, I will at some point. And he just wandered off on my only interaction with him. And I was like, you haven't seen it? You must have seen it. It's been on for years. But, um, yeah, he was a very small man, isn't he? He's not very, uh, not, he's not good no, no, size, no. that's for sure. That's film, you see. They, 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 they do special effects in films and things. All right, Brad. Well, thanks for coming on. That's uh, right. It's nice to see you. Nice to... Uh, yeah, it's only been 19 years. Uh, yeah, I'll speak to you 2044. 2044. I'll be there. <laughs> I'll be 38. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Brad. Thank you. Not at all. That was Brad Fit. And before him, Eric Potts, both absolute giants of panto. I hope you can get to see a pantomime. If you've got kids, go see it. If you haven't got kids, maybe you don't. It's a bit weird sitting in the audience. I'm, no, I'm joking. Go and enjoy the panto. Enjoy the festive scene, the festive spirit, the festive time. Go on, screen rats. Get away from those screens. Although I am not going to a panto this year because we've already done our Christmassy thing, and that was to go and see the film Wonka, which I absolutely loved, especially all the music by Neil Hannon and Joby Talbot. Brilliant. Excellent cast as well. Real fun to see like people like Phil Wang pop up in that. Loved it. Absolutely loved it. Can't say anything against it. And okay, to our outro track, I guess. It is a song called Next Year's Christmas. Not the most positive song about Christmas, but it is by uh, me and my friend Ethan Alley. She's a actress and singer. And uh, we put this together when we were in the band 1117, something we formed together. Uh, all the lyrics are by Aoife. All the music is by myself. Uh, so I hope you enjoy this. This is 1117 with next year's Christmas.
Spooky Ominous Bell from 10 or so years ago. Creepy. That was the only Christmas song I was ever involved in. That was uh, 1117, which was myself and Aoife Nally, and our song Next Year's Christmas, which uh, I guess I'm just going to put on here every Christmas episode, right? I mean, that's what I'm going to have to do. It's the only one I got. Okay, come back next uh, week for a New Year's episode before we kick off 2024, which is going to be one heck of a year. Uh, I shall see you soon, and thank you so much for listening. And uh, sorry about the... uh, fortnight away but anyway we have to take breaks now and again and maybe i won't be so hard on myself next time we have to do that but it did feel a bit weird it's great to be back so see you next week screen rats have a lovely christmas if that's what you're doing whatever you're up to have a great time and i'll see you then bye for now (laughs) 